2: You are listening to Run Buncher Radio, episode number forty-one. Thanks for being here, everybody. Trey Hannity, Marty Leap, with you as always. Tonight we are rejoined by a staff writer, a guy that we just love having on the podcast to talk some baseball. Noah Wright. Noah, thanks so much for being here, man. Back at school now, getting a lot of articles out. How have you been?
0: Been good. Started finished up my uh, the first year of my soft soph- of my sophomore year at California University, and starting my second semester here, second weekends.
2: You know, part of it, uh, got to get our degrees here before we can move on and, and really get to do this thing for real. Let's Talk about some of your work that's come out recently, and we're going to dive into some of these articles in depth here in a little bit. But uh, you know, how's the writing process been going for you this off season?
0: It's going good. I've actually had probably my, I think my best month here at Rum Bunter in terms of views and stuff.
2: want to hear that. Uh, you know, big things going on right now, guys. We know it's the off season, but we're adding writers constantly, and we're, and we're just pumping out content, trying to keep you guys informed. Keep you guys updated on on these headlines because it is the off season, but there's still a lot of news breaking. Um, you know, like we've seen just these last couple of weeks with the the trades and everything else. Not um, you know quite the headlines that we were used to in the uh, the last 14 days, but some other headlines coming out this week. Uh, you know, a fun piece Marty got a ride on this week. The non roster invitees to spring training have been announced. Let's let's get into this first, gentlemen. Marty, you can get us started. Um, you know, which guys really get you the most excited? I think this this class of players pretty, you know,
1: leads up to a, a fun looking spring training. Yeah, that's something I wrote about on the site earlier this week. If you want to go and check it out for a little bit more detail, um, it's setting up to be a really fun spring training. I mean, as I mentioned in there, you know, it's going to be nice this spring to have fans back in the stands, season starting on time, all of that sort of stuff. Just, you know, more and more as we get that, start to get that feel of return to normalcy in our country. But even on top of that, you know, looking at it strictly from the Pittsburgh Pirates point of view, you're going to see a lot of guys in spring training who are going to be key components when this next window of contention opens up. Um, Cody Bolton will be there, which is expected because Bolton's probably going to make his major league debut this year. Travis Swaggerty is another guy we could see this year who's an on-roster invitee. And then even if you get down some of those 2022 and 2023 ETAs as on-roster invitees, Nick Gonzalez, Silvero Paguero, Jiwon Bay, uh, Cannon Smith and Jigba. Uh, a lot of guys who have become very important parts of this minor league system. Some of the most highly touted prospects, not just in the pirate system, but in the case of some of these guys, all of baseball, you know, Quinn Priester, I am so pumped to see what Quinn Priester can do. Cause you know, he's going to get at least one star in a grapefruit league game before they reassign him to minor league camp. And I mean, we saw earlier this week where MLB Pipeline had scouts tell them they think Quinn Priester could emerge as a top pitching prospect in baseball this year. So it's going to be a lot of fun to see how he looks. And even the bullpen. Blake Wyman, who's a guy we've talked about a lot on the site, could potentially pitch his way into an opening day bullpen spot. Yuri De Los Santos, who's a guy I know Noah likes a lot, who we could see in the bullpen sooner rather than later. So it's just going to be a lot of fun. You know, I think it's going to be very similar to some of those spring trainings in like 2010 and 2011, when you would see, or even 2009, go back a little further, you would see your Neil Walkers, your Pedro Alvarez's, your Jose Tabata's, Andrew McCutcheon, these guys who went on to be key pieces of that 2013-2015 run. Garrett Cole falls in that category as well. Get called up, get some time in, in Major League Camp before going back to Minor League Camp. Get that, that glimpse of the future, the glimpse of that next winning Pirate team. And we're going to get that this spring seeing a lot of their top prospects be in major league camp. And it's going to be a lot of fun to see how these guys can perform.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to see Quinn Priester. He's gotten a lot of attention recently, if you've been following anything we've been writing. And just in, like like you said, Marty, he's been getting attention from scouts from different teams. Jonathan Mayo on MLB Pipelines podcast said he could even be the best pitching prospect in baseball in the next year or so. So this def- he's definitely a guy that you want to keep an eye on because i i'm I was really hyped about him before you know all this attention got to him, but he seems like a he could be the ace of the staff in the next few years
2: definitely, definitely, and you know, talking about priester um and, and the attention let's kind of talk about why you know we we've known about Quinn Priester for quite some time. His name has you know been in, in on the prospect list for um you know a good <laughs> while now, but he's just starting to really get this this national attention. Um, you know, I guess what I'm kind of asking is this year truly make or break for Quinn Priester. If he doesn't come out and and really take over and and show the rest of baseball that he could be one of the top pitching prospects, you know, does that make or break him or, um, you know, is there still a window?
1: I definitely don't think it's a make or break year for him by any means. I mean, the kids only, I mean, he was graduated high school in 2019 was extremely impressive in his pro debut later that summer. Um, maybe it's a make or break year in terms of ever becoming, you know, that top pitching prospect in baseball, but if Priestor struggles this year, I still fully expect him to continue to be a top 100 prospect, to continue to be a top three or four prospect in the pirate farm system and to be viewed as the future ace of this rotation. I, his stuff's just too good. You know, That that power sinker of his is it's filthy and you throw in the fact that that he already has a plus breaking ball and his changeup, which this is the biggest thing. Most kids his age don't have that third pitch already. Not only does he have that third pitch and a changeup, it's already starting to look like a potential plus pitch, which when you see three potential plus pitches this early on, that's when you know you've got something special. Um, I just, I don't know. I mean, we I, as Pirate fans, it can be tough because we've seen this before. Tyler Glass now, Nick Kingham, Charlie Morton, whoever you want to go to, even Garrett Cole to an extent, Jameson Tyler to an extent, even though JMO is different because a lot of injuries. Um, the the top flight can't miss pitching prospect who, for one reason or another, never reached that full potential in Pittsburgh. But I do think things are a lot different now with Ben Charrington, with Oscar Marine, with this new front office, and the new coaching staff and the scouting department and everything. <clears throat> Excuse me. But no, I don't necessarily think it's a make or break year for for Priester at all in terms of his long term future. But it's just I, I'm, I'm going to just be very, very intrigued to see what Priester does this year, wherever he's at, and to see how far he makes it. I there's been a lot of rumblings that we could see Charrington in this group be a lot more aggressive with prospects than Neil Huntington was. So I mean, do we see Priester maybe get all the way to high a by the end of the year? Who knows? That would be awesome because you could be looking at double A by next year and potentially the MLB rotation by early 2023. But we'll just – there's going to be no prospect in the Pirate Farm system who I am going to have more fun watching this year than Priester. I totally agree with
0: that. That Priester is definitely going to be a guy that you're going to want to watch this entire season. He just – like you said – it's not a lot of times that you get a high, fresh-out-of-high-school pitcher who already has three pitches that look like above-average offerings. And I I don't agree. I don't think that there's also a make-or-break here. in his long-term future, like you say. But I do agree that it could be a make-or-break here in him becoming that that top-flight number-one pitching prospect in all of baseball. But he is going to be really fun to watch in the future. And if they are aggressive... I. Obviously, I don't want them to, you know, rush him up immediately, get him through the Myers as fast as possible. But, you know, being a little bit of aggressive with him, you know, helps him get through the Myers and helps you reach out window of contention around that 2023 year, 2024. It
2: does. No, it, it does. And and like you said, you don't want to rush him. That's the last thing you want to do. And, um, you know, the thought process is there for Pirates fans. Like, hey, we've seen this tale before. Like you, you talked about there, Marty. Um, But, you know, I'm with you guys. I think that Quinn Priester is going to be at the front of this rotation at one point. Uh, You know, hopefully it is around 2023, 2024. We really see him get to the bigs and and come onto the scene. Um, But, you know, time is to tell. Great to see the hype, if nothing else. Um, And and so much hype around Pirates prospects right now Four guys in the top 100. Uh, Let's look over this list a little bit more. Now, and I, I love the way you said it, Marty. The, the Smith and Jigbud just rolled off your tongue there. That's uh, maybe taking a little bit of practice.
1: <laughs> hey, listen, as, as a Penn State fan who is prepared to watch Jackson Smith and Jigbud just torch us with Ohio State for the next two years, <laughs> unfortunately I have gotten more practice than that one rolling that right off my tongue. Well,
2: you killed it, man. Uh, you know, hopefully we're calling his name in the big leagues here soon. A guy that we, you know, most likely will see on the big league roster to begin the season or very short thereafter – Wilmer Defoe, one of the offseason signings, a veteran. Um, you know, how do you guys kind of see the Pirates work him into this spring training and, and his role as we get closer to the season? Where do you want to get us started with this one?
1: Excuse me. Yeah. Um, Defoe is a guy who, when he was signed, it was about a month ago. I think it was around January 15th or so. So a little, little less than a month ago. Um, I personally thought that that was a sign that the. Adam Frazier was going to be traded. Um, I still think Frazier's going to be traded. I will be very surprised if Frazier is on this roster come opening day. And I think that was a big part of bringing in Defoe. Um, assuming Frazier is traded, you know, you're probably looking at Newman. Well, probably I'd be very surprised if you're not looking at Kevin Newman as your starting second baseman. And then with shortstop, you know, you are could see Cole Tucker some days, could see Eric Gonzalez. Personally, I think we'd see more Cole Tucker just because the Pirates want to see ultimately what they have in him. So then you can have Gonzalez and Defoe as your utility men off the bench. Even if Frazier's not traded, I still think Defoe ends up on this opening day roster. I mean, he can play shortstop, he can play second base, he can play third base. He can play in the outfield, and he plays each of those positions well. He rates out as a plus defender at each spot. He is a switch hitter, which is always viable coming off the bench. You know, he's got a lot of experience. He has won a World Series with the Nationals. And he remains under team control through 2022. So, you know, he's not just a one-year guy. So I do think we're going to see Defoe on the opening day roster, regardless of what happens with Frazier. But... You know, if Frazier's traded, I think Defoe could potentially play a, a little bit bigger of a role on this roster than people are expecting, just because there will be more bats to go around in the middle of the infield, and, you know, he'll move up in the pecking order in terms of pinch hitters and all that sort of thing.
0: I think I think I agree with you with there, Marty, that he just kind of plays a utility role. But, you know, he can also come in, pinch run, play all different positions around the field, it's even with Frazier gone, because Frazier... You know, he's another guy that you can really put wherever in the infield and the outfield, and he'll do just fine. But I would really want to see Cole Tucker and Key Brian Hayes on the left side of the infield because I just want to watch that really good defense and nothing get by the left side of the infield, which is really a, which is really why I want to see Fraser get traded. But yeah, with the Defoe, you can. Even if Frazier doesn't get traded, I, I do think he makes the major league roster as a utility man. Sees time all all around the infield, maybe some time in the corner outfield. And really kind of plays that role that Adam Frazier played a little bit in the very early part of his career.
1: Yeah, I totally agree about the left side of the infield there, especially with a young pitching staff who, you know, yeah, you know, like when Bolton gets here this summer, when you have guys like Wyman and Cedarland and Mears in the bullpen, and, you know, even to somewhat of a lesser extent, you know, like a Carson Fulmer, if he makes this roster, or, you know, maybe Edgar Santana, who hasn't pitched in the majors in however long, or, you know, Mitch Keller in the rotation, like confidence is going to be key for these young guys. And if you know, you've got that defense behind you, who's going to gobble everything up over there at third base and shortstop, slot, make the outs. You know, it, it makes life easier on you because you don't feel like you've got to make that perfect pitch every time. So I think also yeah. just a team with a young pitching staff, having that, you know, a gold glove caliber third base and a shortstop can go a long way.
0: Yeah, I think the Pirates defense is going to be better than what we saw in the last couple of years because now they've traded Bell. You know, we, we're going to see more of Jacob Stallings behind the play, and he's one of the best defensive catchers in all of baseball. We get more Cole Tucker at shortstop. We're going to see Key Brian Hayes more often at third base uh brian reynolds looked outstanding in the outfield last year so there's a lot to look forward to with the defense
2: there certainly is and you know you just talk about the swagger you're putting on the left side of that infield there with cole tucker and cabrian hayes if that's the case uh, but like you said marty confidence is key for these young players and that's what i love so much about this front office i mean you know we've we've talked about it in circles on this podcast but just the opportunity that they're going to give these players this season you know we're going to see it and for for fans that you know just care about wins and losses, they're not going to be watching this season very closely. But um, you know, for a lot of fans, this is going to be a, a really cool opportunity to get to see you know guys like Mears and, and you know Tucker and, and so many prospects, Quinn Priest or Cody Bolton, perhaps um, get up and, and pitch this season. So there's still a lot to look at, even if the win loss total isn't going to be there uh, because it's not looking good. And, and in NL Central this year, that's making out to be probably the worst division in baseball. Uh, you know the Pirates are still probably going to finish there at the bottom in fifth place let's talk about that NL Central a little bit more Nick Caparoso, our third host couldn't be here with us tonight we're missing him we'll be back uh, on our next episode but he compared uh, this this 2021 NL Central to the 2020 um, NFC East which I think is a beautiful comparison it, it's going to be a lot of teams that are struggling one of them is going to have to make the playoffs the one team that has now begun to um, separate themselves, at least with the offseason moves they've made, the St. Louis Cardinals. And I know, Marty, uh, that just makes your spin crawl to hear that they are going to be you know, projected to finish at the top of the standings. But that's the reality in most seasons. The St. Louis Cardinals uh, add Nolan Arenado via trade this past week. Um, let's talk about this division, what you guys are excited for, even in a year where the Pirates um, you know, aren't going to look to be competitive. No, why don't you lead us off here?
0: I saw with MLB saying that it could actually be one of the most competitive divisions simply because of how close it might be. Simply because speaking, simply because there's no outlier in this division. You know, even with the Cubs trading you Darvish and even thinking about trading Wilson Contreras, and the Reds, you know, not really doing much his offseason, and you know, the Brewers kind of not really doing all that much. They recently signed Colton Wong, which really helps their defense adds a couple of wins. But overall, there's not this one outlier that's saying, oh yeah, they're definitely going to win the Central this year. So I thought that was interesting because I do agree that it could be one of the most competitive simply because there's no clear winner. But I'm really interested to see, I was really interested with the Cardinals trading for uh, Arenado because it was, for a while it seemed like it was in limbo because for a while they said that they were nearing a deal and it kind of was back and forth all offseason with them and Aaron Otto.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just the Cardinals are the Cardinals. Like Trey said, they make my skin crawl. Anyone who knows me knows there are three sports teams I cannot talk about and remain rational, and it's the St. Louis Cardinals. Anything that comes out of that school in Columbus and the Green Bay Packers, and it just, it's just the Cardinals. And what ticks me off is they'll get Aronado. They don't move many of their top prospects. Aronado is 30-something years old, owned a, owed a zillion dollars over the next few years. If this was any team in baseball, you would look at this trade. You know what? They're taking a real risk. Because this guy could be – he's coming off a bad season. He's 30, downside of his career, owed a ton of money. But Aronado is going to go there and – solidify himself as the greatest of the base of baseball probably because it's the Cardinals and that's what they do. But in all seriousness, the the NL Central this year is probably going to be absolutely horrific, um, which is going to make things interesting because I think the Pirates could lose 100 games and like legitimately be in a division race in like August because this division is going to be so bad. Yeah, but I mean – Oh, Yeah. (laughs) I really wish
0: this was the the division we were in like six or seven years ago when we were winning like ninety five well, yeah. games. Twenty fifteen again,
1: the Cardinals ninety eight wins and we don't win the division. I would never forgive them for that. Best team in baseball and they didn't win the division. It just God, it gets me heated. But I just I I think the division is going to be horrible and it's going to be a lot of fun to just watch the.
0: It's going to be horrible, but it's going to be so close that it's going to be fun to watch.
1: Yeah, and what's not going to be fun, though, is when the Cardinals go 79-83 and then win the World Series. Because the last time a division of baseball was this bad, the Cardinals won 82-80. And what happened? They won the National League pennant somehow because they're the St. Louis Cardinals. They have some black devil magic.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Horseshoes, Clovers, something. It's it's getting ridiculous at at this point with the St. Louis Cardinals. I don't know. know, Maybe they have some dirt on somebody, everybody around the league, to keep this going every single year. Uh, But they are looking to be uh, at the top of the division. But like you guys are talking about, this is going to be a really competitive, really interesting division. One team I kind of want to talk about for just a second, the Chicago Cubs. Um, you know they, they're salary dumping left and right. They send certain players, free up a lot of money, make some interesting signings. I don't think this team is going to be competitive at all, but they could still find a way to win this division. What do you guys see happening there in Chicago this season?
0: I think in Chicago, you know, they like you said, they've said they've already salary dumped you Darvish, but you know they still have a lot of their core pieces. Even if they keep, even if they trade Chris Ryan, which has been tossed around a lot the last few off seasons, you know. Anthony Rizzo, Jason Hayward's coming off a good season. If they keep Wilson Contreras, Javier Baez might be coming off of a, you know, so-so not very good, I should say so-so, just a not very good season hitting-wise, but, you know, he did decent the 2018-2019 and is probably one of the best defensive shortstops in all of baseball. You know, it's not simple like with the rest of this division, the Cubs might be on paper a 500 team, but a 500 team in this division is going to be a really competitive team.
1: Yeah, I mean, with the Cubs, I really like their lineup. I still think they have the best lineup in, in the in the National League Central. Even with Arenado now being with the Cardinals, the problem with the Chicago Cubs is, in all honesty, line their line their starting rotation up against the Pirates. And tell me where outside of Kyle Hendricks the Cubs' rotation is better. Their rotation is horrible. Like, I understand Zach Davies has shown some stuff in the past. Alec Mills somehow threw a no hitter last year. But, like, and, the, and again, compared to the pirate rotation, like, if you look at Mitch Keller and you look at Chad Cole, those two guys have more upside than anyone in that rotation other than Hendricks, and Keller probably has a higher upside than Hendricks. Like, the, the, the Cubs have no pitching. They have no pitching at all, and that's going to be their undoing. Their bullpen is not good. Their yeah, starters, their closer is
0: their closer is Craig Kimbrel. Look how good the Pirates did off of him the last few
1: years. Kimbrell's arm is cooked. Their, their rotation is basically, you know – Kyle Hendricks and pray like hell it rains the next four days. So they're they the Cubs have a great lineup, but they have no pitching at all. And I just I, I have a hard time envisioning the Cubs winning more than eighty two or eighty three games this year. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if they wind up under five hundred. And we see. And I do think that the Cubs will be an intriguing team to watch though, because they could have. And this, in the long run, might hurt the rest of the National League Central, but they could have one heck of a fire in July if they wanted to. They could replenish this pitching staff and their farm system real quick. If they do fall off the table and they move Contreras and they move Bryant and, you know, probably like they move Cambrough and Hendricks at that point as well and get a ton back. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there.
0: Yeah, it depends. It depends how, they, how the rest of the league views their pieces because Bryant's been, you know – so so the last few years. He's had some decent seasons. Last twenty nineteen did good. Twenty eight seven eighteen eh, and this last this last year he wasn't very healthy. He struggled with injuries and inconsistent and he's also on the last year of his deal, so you don't really know how much a team's willing to pay for that. And a lot of their you know a lot of their pieces are on their last year of their deal and you saw them this off season. They started that off by non tendering uh Kyle Schwarber, so it really depends. So the Cubs are really going to have to rely on their pieces to bounce back to, you know, either go for it or trade them at the deadline.
2: They they really are, and it's you know it's put them in this kind of purgatory, I think, and that's kind of why I'm asking, I guess, because this is a you know a team that you look at right now and think, well, this is kind of the situation the Pirates were in for a little bit and, and didn't really make the right moves. Um, you know, if you're a Pirates fan, you're hoping the Cubs don't as well. But I, I guess I kind of expected them to, to deal you know, Javier Baez, Wilson Contreras really blow it up this offseason, and they haven't yet, Well, it'll be a really interesting team to see. Uh, but, you know, that's your division winner. They, they still want to compete this year and, uh, you know, look to make the playoffs in a, in a wrecked NL Central. Um, let's talk about the light at the end of the tunnel a little bit. This was an article Noah had come out this week. Uh, let's highlight a couple articles while we're at it here, Noah. Uh, 2022, the name of the article is 2022, the light at the end of the tunnel. I like this article a lot because, you know, as Pirates fans, we're always trying to find ways to, um, you know, get confident. It's been some tough times these last couple seasons. This, guy, this article will help you guys, uh, you know, take some positivity away. Noah, talk about what you detailed in this article and, um, you know, kind of the writing process in this one.
0: So I was just kind of, after they made all their trades, I was just kind of looking through their prospect lists on Fangraphs and pipeline. I'm just thinking, you know, a lot of their prospects aren't as far away as some people think they are. You know, I've seen people saying, oh, they're never going to compete. And, you know, those are the kind of people who are never going to change their minds no matter what you say to them. But you look at their prospect list and a lot of their players, you know, in the next year or so, we're going to see a lot of their good prospects come up and at least get a taste of the majors. Like last, like last year, we already saw Hayes. We've already seen a little bit of Keller. We've already seen Reynolds in the majors. And next year we're going to see, we might see O'Neal Cruz may at the very end of the year, getting maybe just like have a sample size of plate appearances. You know, we might see uh, the headliner from the Tyone deal. We might see you know, Bolton definitely could be, definitely could gun for a rotation spot sometime in the year, depending on how the year goes. And that's, and those guys are going to be our players that the pirates are looking to rely on for a lot of years to come. Then Next, then in 2022, we're gonna see guys like Swaggerty get maybe more playing time. We're gonna see guys like Leavera Piguero get more playing time. There's just a lot of talent coming up through this system that I think a lot of people are overlooking. And it's I I really do think that this team could be you know around that 500 mark, like in 20 like in 2012 when they won about I heard like 78 ish games or so, I'm not talking about, oh, they're going to be the division contender this year. They're going to absolutely win it. But I wanted, I wanted to give it a more positive outlook, and I don't really think it's unrealistic to say that they could be a you know okay team in the next few years.
1: Yeah, it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility that by the end of 2022 season, you're looking at Brian A's a third, Lever- Levero Paguero at short, Nick Gonzalez is second, some combination of... Ryan Reynolds, Travis Swaggerty, Cannon Smith and Jigba in that outfield. And, you know, you go to the bullpen, you can see Cedarland, Nick Mears, Blake Wyman, you know, Edgar Santana, Yuri De Los Santos, and then JT Brubaker, either there or in the rotation, Mitch Keller, Cody Bolton. You know, you could see by the end of 2022, a team that's definitely ready to at least compete to be a 500 club. Um, I know I've said this a bunch, and I still believe it that their biggest problem with trying to like truly contend or whatever by late 2022, early 2023 is going to be the pitching because a lot of their top pitching guys are not going to get here to probably June or July of 2023. Yeah. But by the end of 2022, you can look at the Pirates having a pretty darn good lineup, and that would yeah, I think the course got to be really solid. Oh, and I do too, and, and that's the thing. If you look at that by the end of 2022, you can be looking at a really good lineup, and that's even before Hudson Head gets here. That's before Jiwon Bae gets here. You know, it, you're going to have a lot of highly touted hitting prospects who aren't here yet, and you could already have a great lineup. O'Neill Cruz, to, totally blanked on O'Neill Cruz, probably your designated hitter or in right field or at first base just – Somewhere, really you sure can sure put it. going to be jam logged out there with Reynolds and Swaggerty and Smith and Jigba probably all here next year. So I do think that by the end of 2022, you're going to see the Pirates have a very good, very young lineup. And at that point, you're just going to be waiting on the pitching to get here.
0: Yeah, and one picture I brought up was Luis uh which we got in the trade for the Mets during the Rule Five draft. And I really think I'm really excited to see what he can do because I think he has some really good stuff and can be a really dominant force out of the bullpen.
2: Definitely. You know, a lot of these kids that are coming in, um, you know, just so much depth as we've seen Ben Sherrington add to the process, to the minor league system and, and just to the organization. Uh, another article you had out this week, tracking Ben Charrington's rebuild. This article, you know, goes hand in hand with your 22, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel article as well. Talk about this one, and you know, kind of what you've seen as you've tracked this rebuild. You had the in up study this week. Uh, what did you find on on tracking Ben Sherrington's rebuild?
0: Going through the rebuild, I think it really started last off season when you, we, they started. They you know they fired Clint Hurdle, they let go of Ray Searage, they completely they they just did so much into the front office and the coaching staff that I really think that's such a big part, such a big part of this rebuild and what, probably one of the most important parts that gets looked over is just how much new front office personnel and how many new coaches there are. And you know, I think the players. I love the players that Ben Charrington's brought in through his trades. I th- I love the Joe Musgrove deal. I think Hudson Head could be a five-tool player. I love the other pieces he got for him, especially some of the pitchers he got, like Omar Cruz, who a lot of people see as a back end, like a number three starter, back into the rotation starter. But you know he's done outstanding throughout the minors and David Bedner, Bedner, who's a he was a Pittsburgh native himself who came in the trade who I think could be a you know another really solid relief pitcher. He, he throws a splitter, really good fastball, and it was either a slider or curveball. But you know I think he could be a decent, he could be another decent relief pitcher. Tyon trade I thought was really good too, especially since it seemed like that none of the pieces he got back were bad in either one of those deals. The Sorry, the Josh Bell trade, I th- I really like Eddie Yeen. He's ranked MLB Pipeline ranked him as one of our top ten prospects when he got to our organization. And also, Will Crow comes in and immediately can fill a rotation spot or a long relief bullpen spot or you know just kind of being that spot starter swingman type role, which I think is something that we really need. We need a lot of flexibility on the major league roster right now, and Crow kind of helps us get that. And and started and the big trade that really started it all was the was the Starling Marte trade last offseason, which I I love the Starling Marte trade too because it I Leovir is seen as a top 100 prospect by Fangraphs. He looks like a really athletic shortstop who will stick at the position long term and could be a really good hitter at the major league level, a really good like average on base guy who runs who runs pretty well. And I've written about Brendan Malone consistently just saying that I think he is probably one of our most underrated pitching prospects. He was a number, he was a first round draft pick and he got picked kind of later than a lot of people thought because uh, he, they weren't sure if he would sign because he was in high school and they weren't sure if he was going to commit to college at the time. But, you know, I, on fan graphs, they say that his, he doesn't have a, a below average pitch. He has four fifty grade or better pitches in the future.
1: One thing with Malone I really like, and Noah, you kind of touched on that with Fangraphs reporting, you know, no real below average pitches. He's a guy with a very high floor. You know, there are some questions to how high Brennan Malone's ceiling might be, but he definitely appears to be a guy with a very high floor. Like worst case scenario with Brennan Malone, it appears you're going to get a very good high quality back end of the rotation arm, which, you know, may not sound like much, but you know, to go back to when the Pirates, that 13 through 15 stretch, look how many games they got cost in those that three-year stretch with the rotating door at the back of the rotation. Rather, it was Jeff Locke or Vance Worley or whoever the heck it was, Jenmar Gomez. You know, they got cost games that came back to bite during the end of the season because he just really struggled to fill out the back of the rotation. So, you know, it doesn't hurt to have a guy Malone with that high floor where it looks like worst-case scenario, you're looking at a really good number four, number five starter. But ultimately, he has the potential to potentially be at top of the rotation arm, which, you know, all of a sudden the Pirates have a lot of those guys in their farm system, which is great to see. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's, uh, you know, not to be
2: of this regime and kind of just make you take a sigh of relief at that point. And just looking at this list of non roster invitees, a lot of the names you get excited about are guys that Ben Sherrington has brought into the organization, it's be a trade, free agent signing, whatever it may be. Um, but, you know, I'm uh, with you, Noah. Know, uh, I think be, uh, the rebuild is, has been on track, if not ahead of schedule. And it's going to be fun to see how these guys pan out. Like I said, this is the season where we really. Start to get to see some of you know these players move up in the organization, move up in the
0: minor leagues, and some of these players get to the big leagues and really get their first crack at it. Uh, You know this offseason's not over yet, and the Pirates could. Uh, I just think the most. I just think the most important thing he's done so far is put this organization in a permanent direction. You know, from two thousand that 2016 to 2018, you know, we just kind of treaded water. We weren't bad bad where we were trading players and getting big prospects back but we weren't also good to the point where we were competing for playoff spots you know we were a 75 80 win team and that 2018 season which i really think killed a lot killed what was left of the front office last time you know it just felt like we were stuck in neutral and we weren't doing anything and i'm so happy that we actually have a direction this time
2: you said to it, no, it's it's purgatory to be in that position. And that is a position the Pirates found themselves in for a little bit of time. There was a rebuild originally in the Neil Huntington regime, but we saw it back in 2009, 2010, 2011. We didn't see it in 2014, 15, 16, when it really needed to happen again. The Pirates didn't blow it up. That's what we love about Ben Sherrington so far. He has come in with a plan. He has blown it up. He has made the trades that he's needed to make to this point. Uh, to really set this team up for success in the future but the Pirates are still going to be running a little bit thin at the big league level some free agents uh, still to be signed potentially by Pittsburgh uh, three names caught my eye Jake Arietta, Jonathan VR and James Paxton what do you guys think about these three names is this realistic for the Pirates to sign before spring training 2021 uh, and I guess which one is the most likely
1: Yeah, I uh, I wrote about Arietta. I mean, obviously, he's a guy who, um, you know, not exactly liked by Pirate fans, you know, myself included, because that 2015 Wild Card game, sitting there watching the 98 win Pirates, who a hill I will die on, as they were the best team in baseball that year, go up against Arietta, who was on the hottest streak a pitcher has ever been on in the history of baseball. Yeah, he had allowed. I think mean, one runner last in like 20 straight right starts going into that game. Yeah. And, like, you knew they were going to lose, and it was shitty because they were the best team in baseball. And I firmly believe that team wins the World Series if they can get to the Division Series. And I will forever hate Jake Arietta for that night. And, I mean, this is totally off-topic, but shout-out to Tony Watson for throwing at Jake Arietta in the seventh inning to try and get him ejected. They give the Pirates a chance. But, um no, Arietta could make sense for the Pirates. I mean, the Pirates right now just need warm bodies in their starting rotation, especially if Chad Cole or Stephen Brought are traded, which both of which still seem like a possibility. Um, and Arietta's a guy who struggled last year with the Phillies, was up and down the prior year to that, but has a really good track record. And if he could come out and give you even a decent first half of the season when teams get desperate for starting pitching up in July, he probably could need a nice little return. So he can make sense to me, but, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I still think the Pirates can add starting pitching help. Um, I understand that you want to give your young guys a chance, but right now the back of your rotation, it's a big old question mark, and, you know, you look at a guy like Miguel Yahura who could potentially be in there, but you don't want him starting games until you feel he's 100% ready. Um, Will Crow, same boat. I mean, I know he's made a couple of starts last year with Washington, but if you don't feel he's 100% ready, you don't want to have to throw him into that if you don't absolutely have to. So I do think they will add someone, and it'll be in that you know veteran form like we've seen in the past. Your Derek Collins of the world, Jordan Lyles. Uh, that's where I think Arietta could come into play, a guy whose best days are probably behind him, but you know still needs a job and could potentially give you some good trade value in July. <laughs>
0: yeah, I had written about James Paxton as a potential as a potential free agent candidate for the pirates to go after. and really, I mean, right now I think the pirates should be targeting more of the innings eater, really durable kinds of guys who can you know kind of give the bullpen some rest here and there. But I think we need to take a few risks with some of those like low risk high upside kind of guys that, you know, at the deadline could be really valuable pieces and could get traded. You know, Paxton, when he has been healthy, has been a really good starting pitcher. He was good last year with the Yankees. He was good in the two years prior with the Mariners. He's a high-strikeout pitcher. He doesn't struggle with control. You know, even for playing in Yankee Stadium in 2019, he didn't give up all that many home runs. But, you know, he's consistently been unhealthy. And that's also going to be a risk. But, again, a guy that he could – that if he's pitching well, he's – Mostly healthy by the deadline, you are you might get a lot of attention with for teams that are, that are really in need of some starting pitching and teams that want to further bolster and reinforce their bullpen, or not bullpen, their rotation before going into that final stretch of the season.
2: I'll never forget that 2015 wildcard game for a lot of reasons, uh, but I'll, I'll never forget that poor water cooler that Sean Rodriguez absolutely destroyed after the brawl there on field um but no you know this is a a team that hasn't been to the playoffs since that night and is on the right path Uh, but other moves could potentially be made we'll check it out we're going to close tonight's show with a new segment one that we want to kind of do moving forward the best thing you saw this week gentlemen this can be in pirates baseball this can be in major league baseball in the world of sports what is the best thing you saw this week
0: so, I think the best thing I personally saw was uh MLB, the show the video game for playstation four they and playstation five they put they're putting Jackie Robinson on the cover for their deluxe edition and I thought that was just really cool for them to put that put you know such a historic player on the cover of their new game
1: um the best thing I saw this week I was stick with the with the uh Video game theme, but to move away from the show a little bit, although as a diehard day, day Xbox guy, I can't even begin to express to you how excited I am that the show will be available on Xbox starting this year. But um, the best thing I saw this week is my all-time favorite video game, always has been, always will be, is NCAA football. And by God, baby, we're back in business. When that news broke the other day, I, I literally jumped up out of my chair at work and screamed and had people in the office looking at me like I was insane. But I, I, I am so excited that NCAA football is back in business and my wife might not be as excited to the amount of time I will be spending playing it when it comes out, but that was the best thing I saw this week.
2: <laughs> I'm right there with you, Marty. That game is going to be unbelievable. It's been seven years. It's been way too long. NCAA football is coming back here real soon. Uh, Great to see the cover of MLB The Show, getting Jackie Robinson featured there as well. Um, For my best thing I saw this week, I'm going to go with the U.S. men's soccer team. Back in 2016, the last time they were qualifying for the World Cup, uh, I guess 2017, they didn't make it, and they were eliminated by Trinidad and Tobago on Wednesday. The United States took on that that very same Trinidad and Tobago team and won six to nothing. Get some vengeance there. That's the best thing I saw this week. Uh, but all good stuff, guys, all the way around. Noah, let's let's talk about any more work you have coming up uh, this week. Anything you're excited writing about?
0: Yeah. So probably by the time this is out, there's, I'm going to have an article out about the Pirates' most valuable pitch, and it was one I just wrote this because I was playing around with uh, Baseball Savant one day and just found you know. Pitch value, which basically gives a run value to how it says how good this pitch was. And I found that really interesting with just I found that interesting looking through that and just how, you know, how some of the pirates did with Chad Cool having a great curveball and Jeff Hartley having a great sinker. And I think those guys have the potential to be decent pieces next year and have maybe have a breakout season if they're still with the Pirates. You know, Cool's name has been thrown around a decent amount in trade rumors, but definitely two names to keep an eye on. And one article I've kind of been working on it right now has been a few prospects who have gotten kind of swept under the rug. You know, Sherrington's brought in so just a boatload of talent this offseason, to put it lightly. And I think there's a lot of prospects who aren't getting as much attention as they deserve since, since we've been focusing on all the new guys who have come in.
2: Great stuff, Noah. Guys, please go check it out. The rest of Noah's work, the rest of our awesome staff's uh, writing. We have so much out right now. Off-season is beginning to come to a close as we're only less than a month away from spring training 2021. That's all the time that we have for this right. episode of Rumb Radio. Until next time, my name is Trey Yannity. for Marty Leap and Noah Wright. Thank you guys for listening. As always, you can find us on omni.com/rumbunter, fancited.com, at our social media at Rumbunter, and on our Rumbunter app as well. Have a great week, everybody. Let's go, Bucks.